Hello, and welcome to the Beckel Spine Orthopedic and Pain Management Driven ASC Plus the Future of Spine virtual event. My name is Anuja Vaitya, and I'm an assistant editor with Beckel's Healthcare. I am pleased to be joined by Dr. Jamin Shah, Medical Director of Mercy Pain Center. Dr. Shah is an innovative leader in the pain management arena. Now, before I jump into questions, Dr. Shah, could you please tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, as far as my background, I started as a pharmacist. I uh, worked as a pharmacist for a long time and managed uh, chain pharmacy and then switched over to medical school, went to medical school again, um, did my residence in anesthesiology at the Medical College of Wisconsin before doing a fellowship in interventional pain at Loyola University and uh, been working mostly doing interventional pain management for the last 10 years. Fantastic. Great. With that, we can jump into some of these questions we have here. Um, so I'd love to kick things off today. We're just getting a sense of uh, the pain management landscape today. You know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you are seeing? Uh, the biggest challenges, I think, are the same that I think most of, most of us are experiencing right now in various fields. Uh, it's how to safely provide patient care in this um, coronavirus um, environment, you know, do what is safe for people that are working with us, our colleagues, and at the same time, what's safe for our patients, how do we not you know, subject them to more risk and at the same time take care of their needs. And so I think that's the biggest challenge right now for all of us. Absolutely. And, you know, what are some of the ways in which the pandemic has changed, you know, your day-to-day, -day, your practice? Well, it's affected us in a big way, you know, I and mean, we've had to adapt so fast. I never thought I'd be doing telehealth encounters as often as I am now. Uh, I never thought that we'll have to take all kinds of precautions everywhere and completely change how we practice. Honestly, I'm actually very impressed with how CMS and uh, everybody else was, allowed, um, was able to make the changes so that we could continue practicing, um, allow us to do telehealth you know, while not having to see uh, patients uh, live and pay for that, which usually is the, what facilitates us being able to take care of them. And I think um, that's made a big difference, but it also has forced us to adopt more than we ever thought we would have to. Absolutely. And is telehealth something you were already familiar with or has that been kind of a learning goal for you as well? I was familiar with it in other specialties, but uh, prior to this coronavirus pandemic, uh, it was limited to certain specialties only. I think psychiatry was one of them or if there were some rural settings and that's where CMS will allow telehealth in those specialties and, and for those um, geographic uh, limitations. But now, ever since this hit, I mean, we were all allowed to do that uh, as long as the pandemic lasts and the coronavirus-related emergency lasts, which has been a blessing, I mean, in a lot of ways, because uh, we were so disappointed in how some of our patients just needed to see us but couldn't see us because, you know, our hospitals were closed or were not allowing uh, elective procedures to happen or elective patients to come in. It was all focused on taking care of COVID patients and now that we're able to do telehealth and um, it has allowed us to have more options. You know, we're, we're doing multiple things right now, not just telehealth, but also telephonic counters, which I never imagined me doing and being equivalent to a, a real encounter. 
but we have to do it right now just so that we can continue taking care of our patients. So yeah, I think uh, the telehealth uh, is, a, is, is something that's probably going to stay for a while. And I Absolutely. was learning it, I wasn't actually doing it before. I had interest in it, but you know, I had a um, crash course in it and I had to get started very, very fast. Absolutely, yeah, lots of quick adaptations happening in the healthcare field. Um, so I, I'm curious, you know, operationally, how much did you have to change at your center to kind of get telehealth up and running, you know, make sure you're, you're reaching your patient base that would otherwise just be coming in? Well, so we started early, like very early when I think we were only closed for maybe a week and a half. Um, and then started, I was forced to have to see patients just because we have, we manage a lot of patients on intrathecal morphine infusions and things like that. And when they need to have their pumps refilled, we, they need a refill. There's nothing else you can do about it. So I had to come in the hospital see those patients do their procedures. We took all kinds of precautions, you know, um, as much as possible and uh, took care of them. And then we realized, okay, there's a lot of other patients that want to be seen, they're miserable and we, we should try and do something different. And fortunately our hospital and uh, others, other administrative people were able to put things together where we were able to use existing applications and we didn't have to download any sophisticated apps. We were just using Google Duo, which I think a lot of us were using now. And that's what our software people told us that might be the safest out of all alternatives. We still have limitations there, but at least we were able to use that. So we adapted right away, which, and then the, we were not seeing any patients in person. We were, unless they needed a procedure, then they'll come in, but we'll see them over the phone, conduct our entire interview exam, history and physical, everything. and send prescriptions over to their pharmacy or our nurses will stand outside and uh, deliver the prescription to their cars if they need to and then they'll take it over to their pharmacy to avoid them having to come in. So operations wise, I mean, it was a complete different practice that we started with and now we're gradually transitioning over to how we used to do things, but it's a hybrid model. I mean, we're still doing a lot of telehealth because patients feel more comfortable um, when we first started um, trying to get, bring patients in to see them in the hospitals or in the other facilities, what we noticed was a lot of people would say, yes, they want to come in and they won't show up because then they get worried or if they have some um, somebody around them that's coughing and they're worried, okay, did I get, get COVID? Should I go? Should I not go? And we're starting to see a lot of cancellations. So what we ended up doing was doing telehealth for everybody. And now we're not seeing as many cancellations. It's very convenient they could be sick and still be able to talk to us and say, okay, what else, what can we do under the circumstances? So we did change quite a bit. Absolutely, yeah. And it's interesting that you say too that you're in this kind of hybrid model now that you think will last, outlast um, the pandemic. What are some other, you know, maybe changes to your practice or, um, you know, changes to the pain management field as a whole, uh, you know, changes that have been brought about by the pandemic that you think will last beyond the pandemic? Well, I think, well, telehealth, I think, is here to stay. I really, in the past, you know, when we were all thinking about this for other specialties, and we thought maybe this might be an option for some things, and we know how things go, you know, and when we have to do something different that's getting that approved through insurances, getting everybody to be on board, even the medical boards, you know, they were not very okay with people doing 
telehealth or any tele-encounters because the, to them it was not equivalent of physical exams and seeing people in person. And so you had to get special licensing privilege, uh, requesting those privileges or special licenses for that. And when the coronavirus pandemic or the COVID pandemic came through, under the Emergency Act, everything was allowed and all every so now I think they're seeing more of things that they would before would be very worried about and they're seeing uh, us actually practicing in that model or forced to be practicing the model. So they have more to go with and they might think, okay, in the future, this is not as bad as we thought, you know, their worries might be answered, their questions might be answered, we may be able to do more. So I think there is definitely a role for telehealth or technology in general. I think we're now with the experience that we've gathered, a lot of us are more comfortable going forward with it. And I'm sure that applies to administratively um, using this insurances, feeling comfortable with this. Same thing with medical boards, with licensing and all that. And as we can see with what CMS has done, you know, approvals for payments and coverage, uh, which I think they did a fantastic job trying to get everything done fast and getting the message out. So we were not all worried about how our hands are tied and we have to subject ourselves to increased risks, go into hospitals, see patients in person mm -hmm. when this remotely. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, what are some other types of technology that you think will be essential, um, you know, for pain management specialists uh, moving forward? Well, I think a lot of it is how do we do what we do well in this uh, environment? You know, we're adopting, we're pushing the limits on some of the things, you know, think before we would say, oh no, that's not something we can do. And now we'll say, okay, maybe we can do it differently. Um, I think, you know, some of the limitations we had and the patients that I needed to come in and see because there was no other option that forced me to look at, you know, how else can I manage this intrathecal patients, intrathecal pump patients, that's the one that we couldn't avoid seeing uh, differently in the future, you know, are maybe the, People that are the manufacturers of this uh, intrathecal technologies will probably start doing something remotely where you can maybe reprogram their pumps to a lower rate over the phone so that we don't have to see them in person. So maybe some of these things will be a motivation sort of in the future or show a need that maybe something could, things don't have to be in person and maybe our, the manufacturers and the innovators will start coming up with different technologies that we can do things remotely. I think the patients are going to want us to be able to see them remotely now too in the future. So the adaptations we might have to make for that are one thing. We had to make some adjustments in what we do technique-wise in seeing patients. You know, we're doing all our procedures with masks on patients and not just ourselves. So that's something that's especially when we do a lot of cervical procedures. It, we have to change our techniques a little bit uh, to make it safe for them and for us. Um, we still have the same problems that we had before, which is we're still in the middle, midst of a opioid epidemic. So mm -hmm. they'll have to be careful and make sure that, you know, just because we're doing this remotely that we don't lose track of what we're doing and people don't take advantage of that. Uh, and we don't end up, you know, sending, uh, doing something that could have caused more harm than good. So there are a lot of different things that we've changed. Some of those, you know, we don't even realize now. We have two months ago or three months ago, it would have been unheard of that we're doing these things over the phone or doing these things remotely 
or how we're seeing patients in the hospital, able to control the amount of people that are actually coming into the hospitals, you know, we're not limiting the visitors right now, and deliver prescriptions to the cars outside. It would have been frowned upon back in the day, like, oh, what are you doing? Are you running a pill mill? But now we're trying to do that because that's the only way we can safely provide prescriptions to our patients. Same thing on the pharmacy and our colleagues that we have to work, work with them, made some adaptations too. You know, they'll take some phone um, prescriptions where they're not allowed to, just to expedite filling a prescription, then they'll wait until the actual copy comes in mail to file it. And uh, so we're, it's forced us to have a lot of camaraderie with other people that we work with and you know, work together, find out how we can do things better and look at things differently also. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the, you know, while we're focused on one crisis, there are others that are still brewing, unfortunately. Um, you know, kind of going off of that, I wonder if, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of stress on supply chain um, in general as hospitals kind of rush to care for uh, COVID patients. And I'm wondering if that stress on the supply chain, how has that affected, you know, your work in the pain management field, um, if, if at all? Yeah, well, besides our personal protective equipment in the beginning, which was a concern, I mean, honestly, it hasn't really affected us that much. There's always been a concern. You know, at one point, we were worried that uh, when the imports from China stopped, you know, are we going to run out of some of the medications? Are the manufacturers of the medications run out of some of the ingredients and we not be able to get some of the medications we need to use? But honestly, we weren't really affected, you know. I mean, just recently, I was just talking to our pharmacy director today about, you know, people are now starting to use dexamethasone. There's some evidence that maybe mm -hmm. it will help COVID-19 patients. Right. In their and so are we gonna run out of that? Because I need that to perform my procedure. So we're trying to make mm -hmm. sure we're gonna have a supply for that. So yes, it's something that uh, was always a possibility that we could run out of something, but it really hasn't affected us that much yet. Okay, that's that's great to know. Um, so, you know, kind of looking ahead, what do you think will be um, the biggest, you know, changes in the pain management arena, say, about five years from now? What will it look like? Well, I think we're probably going to go back to some sort of normalcy, um, I think, soon. You know, hopefully it won't be that long. But in five years, I think uh, the things that we were looking forward to last year are still gonna be true. I mean, I think technology for pain management has been awesome you know, with the, how much development we've seen in uh, the spinal cord stimulation arena with multiple different manufacturers competing with each other with different technologies, different waveforms, uh, things like that. It's very exciting. And I think we have a lot more to offer our patients than we did before in light of the opioid epidemic you know it's going to be even more important for us to step up and look at uh, different ways of treating patients pain it just it doesn't have to be just medications what else could we do we have to look at a multimodal model and in that electricity i think is going to be the key that's what we do with spinal cord stimulation intrathecal infusions um, would be another possibility i think it might gain more popularity as time goes because at least you have good control about on how much you're infusing and how much medication the patients are getting. So I think in five years, uh, the future for pain management is very bright. I mean, the need for us is more than there ever was. You know, we need to really, really step up. I think the opioid epidemic and now this COVID health emergency might force us to look at things differently. 
uh, make some changes and hopefully for the good and then we'll keep those changes and keep benefiting from that in the future too. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's actually a great note to wrap up our conversation, looking ahead to um, a great future for the pain management arena. Um, with that, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Shah. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to continuing our conversation in the future. Same, Same here. Thank you for having me.